Let's pray together. Lord God, we pray a simple prayer that we desire to see Jesus for who he really is, to know him, to enjoy him, and to be changed by him. Help us in this today, in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna ask you to grab a Bible with me and open to Luke chapter 24. You can find Luke 24 in that pew Bible in front of you if you don't have your copy of the scriptures with you. And today we read a story that is immediately following the resurrection. You know, it was the news of the day. Everybody was talking about it. Some were sickened by the news, others were excited by the news, and some just really didn't know what to think. And when you hear that description, some being sickened, some being excited, some not knowing what to think, you might immediately think of the 2016 presidential election. But we are talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. It was the news of the day. And in Luke chapter 24, we get a picture of how people were processing this news as we see these two men on the road to Emmaus. These guys were followers of Jesus. They had seen him in action. They had heard his teachings. They had even heard rumors of an empty tomb, but they were still walking the other direction. They were moving from Jerusalem that they were in the weekend, back toward their hometown, presumably. And as they went on their way, they talked about the news of the day. There's nothing else to talk about. And as often is the case, this news was engaging them in some intense conversation. Was it real news? Was it fake news? What are we supposed to make of all these things that are happening? And here's where we pick up Luke 24, starting at verse 13. This is what it says. It says that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them 
in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. It was the news of the day. And just as they were talking about this news of the crucifixion, And having heard a rumor of an empty tomb, Jesus himself joined them on the road. And as he joined them, we see a very interesting thing that happens in verse 16. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They saw him, but they didn't really see him for who he was. And this is an astonishing thing. I mean, the text doesn't tell us directly why they couldn't recognize him. I mean, maybe God prevented them from recognizing him. Maybe they were just so meshed in their grief that they weren't paying that much attention and looking closely at him. Maybe his appearance was different after the resurrection and therefore they didn't recognize him. But I don't think it's any of those three things. The reason they couldn't see him for who he was is the whole point of this story. You see, these two men, as much as they loved Jesus, were at this point simply in embracing a gospel according to anyone. Jesus approaches them, and as he approaches them, he engages them in conversation, and he asks two questions to which he already knows the answers. But the point of asking the questions is that he's trying to lead them down the path of revealing what they truly think and what they believe and what they truly think, and what they don't yet believe. And so he says to them, what are you talking about? And the reaction of the men is twofold. I mean, verse 17 says it stops them dead in their tracks. They're walking down the road, and they stopped, and they were sad. I mean, clearly they were emotionally connected to this person, Jesus, and the events of the weekend. They knew him. They loved him. He had died, and yet he was standing right in front of them, and they did not recognize him. And finally, Cleopas speaks up, and he says something akin to, where have you been? I mean, the news of the day is what everybody's talking about. Don't you know what's going on? And then Jesus replies with a second question that he already knows the answer to. He says to them in verse 19, what things? What things are going on? Now, of course, he knows what is going on. It happened to him. I mean, if there's anybody who knows all the details of what is going on, it's Jesus himself. But the question displays this wonderful reality about how God interacts with his people. 
how he leads us to a place of revelation, of showing himself to us. Very often our own thoughts, our own hearts, our own beliefs are revealed. And in doing so, we see our own shortcomings, our own errors, and eventually this points us to our place of need. Jesus is walking down the path with them, physically and spiritually. And at first glance, Cleopas gives what seems to be a complimentary answer. But he is missing a key component. In fact, he was missing the most important component. See, Cleopas gives a gospel that almost everybody believed in. We might even call it the gospel according to anyone. And you can say the same is true today. But the gospel according to anyone doesn't help you see Jesus for who he clearly is. This is what I mean. The gospel according to anyone is that this man, Cleopas, had almost all the facts right, didn't he? I mean, he says that Jesus was a prophet. He says that he was a man, a real man in the flesh, that he was mighty indeed in power before God and men. He rightly blames the chief priests for condemning him to death, not the Romans. He talks about how he was crucified tragically, and now there are rumors, but just rumors, of an empty tomb. He had almost all of the basics down, but this didn't lead him to good news. In fact, the gospel, according to anyone, is adopted by almost everyone. But it doesn't contain the good news, because the key component was missing. And that is belief in the resurrection. You know, there's a difference between knowing facts about Jesus and putting faith in Jesus as the resurrected Lord. Until you exercise belief or trust in faith that this Jesus not only was a prophet, mighty in word and deed, not only did he speak for God, not only was he great in power and good moral teacher, but that he actually rose from the dead, then you will not see him clearly for who he really is. Faith leads to sight not the other way around. There are a lot of people who know facts about Jesus, but they lack faith, they lack trust, they, they lack not only a knowledge, but a trust that this Jesus, the Son of God, really can forgive sins, that he really can put us in a right relationship with God, that he really does provide hope for the future because if he rose from the dead, then we too can someday rise to eternal life. But if you only recognize the facts without the faith, then you'll be just like Cleopas. You'll have tried to follow him. You might even be emotionally invested in him and saddened by his death. You will express a level of hope, as Cleopas does, but your hope will be dashed, because you will not see him for who he truly is. Many of you know who Christopher Hitchens was. Christopher Hitchens was perhaps one of the most vocal and militant atheists throughout the 1990s and into the 2000s. And he and his um, publicist, 
became very good friends over the course of their time together. Larry Taunton was his name, and after Hitchens died, Taunton wrote a book regarding Christopher Hitchens, and in that book he talks about these two road trips that they took across America together in the final months before Hitchens' death. And in many ways, it mirrors the road to Emmaus. This is what Taunton writes. He says, My mind goes back to Shenandoah. The skies are clear. The autumn leaves are translucent in the early afternoon sun, and the road ahead of us is open. And in a strong, clear voice, Christopher is reading from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, reaching the 25th and 26th verses, which say, that Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And his face lights up with recognition. And the atheist says, I know this one too. I did not recall its connection with the resurrection of Lazarus. It's a great verse, I add, sensing that we are reaching a defining moment. Yes, Dickens thought so, Christopher replied. And then taking his reading glasses off and setting them down, he turns to me and he asks in Dickens-like language, Do you believeth thou this, Larry Taunton? And his sarcasm is evident, but it lacks its customary force. I do, but you already knew that I did. The question is, do you believest thou this, Christopher Hitchens? And as if searching for a clear response, he hesitates and he speaks in unexpected transparency. He says, I'll admit that is not without appeal to a dying man. you know, the appeal of the resurrection is different than faith in the resurrected Lord. Facts about Jesus just don't help us to see him clearly. Faith in this resurrected Jesus not only leads us from a place of hopelessness to hope, it leads us from a place of appeal to a place of security and joy And Jesus is walking these two guys down the path, figuratively and literally. And in doing so, he is helping them to get to the place where they're actually going to see him. We see here that there's a nature of faith that emerges. Jesus addresses the gospel according to anyone, and he rebukes them. Verse 25, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe, all the prophets have spoken. And from there he shows them how all the Old Testament teachings from Moses to the prophets point to him directly. But it's interesting, isn't it? I can't get over the fact that they're walking down the road with him. The two men saw him, but they couldn't see him. They knew him, but they didn't recognize him. And it is because they didn't believe that he could possibly be risen from the dead. And to help them see, Jesus simply teaches them the Bible. 
I mean, he could have just peeled back his sleeves and said, hey, check this out. He could have told them in detail about the affliction that he experienced on the cross. He could have described for them the glory of the stone being rolled away from the tomb. But to help them see the living word, Jesus points them to the written word, the scriptures. And this just gives us a really important aspect of the nature of faith. And that is faith proceeds from the very word of God. It is not merely an experiential encounter, but it is the promises of God from eternity past being realized in the person and work of Jesus and taken a hold of by those who would believe in him and follow him. The word of God leads us, shows us, illuminates the person of Jesus for us. And that is why, that is why it is so important, my friends, that we are part of a local church. It's so important that we regularly engage God in his word so we can see in faith Jesus more clearly. It's so important that you read your Bible with some regularity. I know, I know how that sounds. Baptist preacher, stop talking about reading the Bible. But if you want to see him clearly for who he really is, faith proceeds from the word of God. You know, it's so interesting that that was good enough for Jesus. I wonder if it's good enough for us. So often we get to this place where we want the true benefit of a relationship with God. But we question whether or not faith, the hard aspects of faith, are really necessary along the way. But you know, you know that the world depends on faith, right? I mean, have you thought about that? I watched you as you came in this morning and not many of you, I don't think any of you tested the pew before you sat down. You sort of slid in and sat next to that person that you don't know and got uncomfortably close and, and then you trusted in faith that it was going to hold you. You got in the car this morning, you turned the key to the ignition, you backed out of the garage, and you have no idea what happens under the hood (laughs) or what the computers are telling the engine of the car and in what way, but you don't need to. You have faith, you have trust that it is going to get you where you want to go. The last time you went to a doctor, she wrote you a prescription. You didn't read the prescription. Actually, you didn't even see it. It was probably emailed to your pharmacist. And so you went to the pharmacy and you told them your name and the pharmacist disappeared behind the screen. I mean, that always kills me, right? Why do they disappear behind that screen? What are they doing back there? I mean, I start to think bad things about pharmacists when they go behind the screen. Like, were they sleeping through pharmacy school? What other kinds of things? I mean, what's going, but it doesn't matter. They came back out, they gave a bottle that said, take this three times a day. And in faith, in trust, you took it and you felt better. The world depends on faith. It's just a matter of what you're putting your faith in. And God leads us to the points of faith for the most important things not trivial things, the most important things, the things of life and death and eternity. And scripture, the story of God and his works leads us to this moment of decision, this moment of trust 
in Jesus that comes by faith. So Jesus describes for them the Bible. He, it doesn't tell us exactly what he said, but in Luke we see that there's a number of Old Testament scriptures that are fulfilled, the promises of God enacted. Isaiah 40, the promise of a forerunner. Isaiah 61, the realization and deliverance. Isaiah 53, the promise of a divine sacrifice. Psalm 110, the promise of a shared rule and reign with God himself. And Daniel 7, the coming of the Son of Man in glory on the clouds. All of these things, and so many more pointing to the fact that the scriptures show us Jesus, God's Son, coming, living, dying, and being raised again so that he might reign. And these guys listen, and we listen And God begins to make things clear to them. You know, knowing the facts about Jesus without believing the resurrection will not allow you to see him for who he really is. It will leave you in a place of confusion. It will leave you in ultimate hopelessness. But things changed for these men and things can change for us and have changed for so many of us because faith leads to sight, not the other way around. And so the story concludes with these guys reaching a stopping place for the night. They sit with Jesus, they break bread with him and in a wonderful moment of prayer as Jesus breaks the bread at the table, it says in verse 31, Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They saw him for who he really was. And the reason why they saw him is because they had faith. Jesus can rise from the dead. Jesus did rise from the dead. And now he sits here in our very presence. And before you know it, he was gone. But they say these words. They say, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us the scriptures? And this is how conversion works, isn't it? This is how you move from a place of knowing things about Jesus to actually putting your faith in him. You learn some things about him. You hear his words spoken. It engages your mind And God engages your heart as it begins to burn within you, as you see yourself for who you more accurately are, as you understand sin and Jesus' sacrifice for sin and the wonderful hope of resurrection. And then comes a moment, a decision of trust, of faith. Am I gonna go all in with this resurrected savior? Because if I'm not all in, I'm all out. And you begin to see him for who he really is. Faith leads to sight, not the other way around. And so I wonder, I wonder if you have faith and if you're clearly seeing Jesus and his resurrection on this Easter Sunday, or maybe you're still on the road to Emmaus. Maybe you're still having a lot of facts about him without believing 
in him and therefore not truly seeing him. I think there are a lot of people like these two guys, people who are not antagonistic toward God or antagonistic toward Jesus, people who generally have affection for him, and yet at the very same time, they have never either thought carefully about how the resurrection changes everything or cared to take that step of faith to say, God, if Jesus really rose from the dead, then everything changes and I must surrender my whole life to him. Or maybe, or maybe you're just waiting to see something else. But remember the words that Jesus spoke to Doubting Thomas in John chapter 20. He says, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Faith leads to sight, not the other way around. You know, this is a dynamic of the Christian life. It's, it's certainly the dynamic of conversion when you put your faith in Jesus and come into relationship with him. But it's also an ongoing dynamic of the Christian life. And to illustrate that, I want to ask my friend Peter Van de Capelli to come on up. Because Peter, like so many people that we know, is an example of somebody who has a changed life. Somebody who has faith and continues to grow in seeing Jesus more clearly. And this happens sort of in multiple segments over a long time, right? So Peter Van de Capelli is a local physician in our town. He's been part of Old North for a handful of years And I asked him to help me close this sermon today because in the last year, year and a half, he's a wonderful example of someone who in an ongoing sense is growing in his sight. So Peter, why don't you tell us, uh, how did you come to faith in the Lord and when did that happen? Sure, so I think when I was, you know, being raised as a young child, my parents were a big influence on me, but mostly I saw Jesus through my grandmother. Uh, she was extremely outspoken about her faith. Uh, she had demonstrated how she lived a life changed by Jesus, always praising his name, singing songs about Jesus, reading the Bible to me, just an inspiration to me. And I was able to understand my sinful nature, realize my need for a savior, and I asked Jesus into my heart. Yeah. So at a young age, you began to take that step of faith. And since then, like for so many of us, there have been moments or seasons, but you might even call them defining moments in your Christian life where you're, you're, you're on a path, but you see more clearly. <laughs> and so you change directions a little bit. You've had a lot of moments like that in your life, as have I. Why don't you tell us about the most recent big life change moment like that for you? Sure, sure. Um, most recently, I was blessed to be at a conference uh, learning about Christ, a men's conference, and took home a couple of very important points that helped to uh, change my life. One of them was that, you know, you have to be all in for Christ. That's the way that uh, the Christian life works. You have to be all in, uh, just like the Cavs had to be all in to win a championship. We have to be all in for Christ um, in our lives. And, you know, Jesus gave us all of himself on the cross already. Uh, and so it's, it's not, for me, it was changing from once a week for Christ to uh, 24-7 for yeah. Christ. The other thing was that we need other people. Uh, we can't do this life on our own. Uh, I'm 
for me as an introvert, it's easy to sit in the back and kind of do my own thing. But I realized that, you know, through the body of the church and the community and talking with others about Christ and learning together uh, in small groups, it's been extremely helpful for my growth. Yeah, so in those two things, you're either all in or you're all out and you need other people to help you grow in Christ. You've made some changes in your life. You've said, I'm gonna start doing some more of some things and less of other things. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that looks? Well, uh, it starts with the Bible. Uh, so I wanna use some Bible verses. I start with Romans 12:2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed you know, by the renewal of your mind. And for me, my renewal is from reading the word. And, and that, that's a habit that I've, been doing every day um, by reading my Bible. And so God's kind of changed my desires less for things of this world and more for prayer and and reading his scripture. Uh, The other thing I wanted to talk about is Luke uh, 9.23, how Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and, and bear his cross daily and follow me. And so Jesus has been that flame burning within me every day for that daily obedience uh, to him and his word. And so you have said faith, faith helps me to see Jesus more clearly. You are taking steps of faith and that step of faith is continuing to change the way that you live your life, life change. So how are you seeing Jesus more clearly than you used to? Yeah. Well, I I can see that he is the one true risen Lord and I praise him for that. Yeah, amen, amen. Guys, let me pray for you. You know, today we have the example of life change sitting in front of us. And so many of you as well, I know, we have the example in scripture of a big move, a move uh, from knowing things about Jesus to faith in the resurrected Jesus. And we wanna give you an uh, opportunity to respond to that. Um, We know that that moment of faith comes in the form of a decision. It comes in the form of active trust, not just sort of passive obedience. And, As we close our service today, our worship team's gonna come back up. We're gonna sing one more song. We have a number of people that are gonna come up and they're gonna be available to talk to you, to pray with you. If you have questions, if you need prayer for anything, or if you wanna make a decision to put your faith in Christ for the very first time, they will be up here with you and for you. And we encourage you to come after that last song is over and to meet them up here. But let me pray for us as we stand and sing one more song. Father, we thank you. Uh, for the example of Jesus walking us down the path and opening our eyes. That faith leads to a greater clarity of sight. And we pray, Lord, that that would be for those here today who have not yet taken that big step of faith, but that it would be here today for all of us who need in an ongoing sense to exercise faith that we would know you and love you and follow you faithfully. We celebrate the risen Lord today, amen. Let's stand and sing one more song together. Cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds, his hands, his feet 
my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy Messiah still and all of Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your Let's sing with great joy. Then on the third, then on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the sun shall pierce the night and I will rise in among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face the resurrection people of God. Let's lift our voices. Oh, praise. Oh, praise the Hello. 
Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everyone. If, yeah, amen. We'd love to pray with you. If you want to put your faith in Christ or have any prayer needs, there'll be people down front to pray with you. As you go, we worship a risen king. We hope that you have a great Sunday with your families. God bless you.